the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth. I am an opinion contributor to the Arizona Republic, also known as azcentral.com, and the editor-in-chief at ricochet.com. Thanks for joining me, and I'm very happy to welcome Noah Rothman. He writes for commentary, and uh, boy, we met years ago as well. And uh, he and I have uh, kind of vented to each other um, on Twitter (laughs) off and on. As this um, Afghanistan disaster has unfolded, he has been following it very closely. Thanks for coming on, Noah. Now, you have been covering uh, this Afghanistan information, and as kind of we've chatted before, I was fine with leaving. I understood the argument to keep, let's just keep a small force there, you know, keep the lid on action over there. But um, both of us are sitting here shaking our heads, going, what on earth is going on here? It's like, I feel like I've... uh, What is that line from Magutu? Uh, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Uh, Why is Washington not doing anything to at least, you know, Joe doesn't have to come out and admit I've screwed up. I'm going to fix it. But at least come out and say I'm going to fix it. Or at least pretend as though there is pretending to acknowledge that there is an urgent national security crisis unfolding at a rapid clip. This is a, a, a rapidly evolving uh, crisis involving upwards of 10,000 Americans. We don't know how many Americans are there to say nothing of, of uh, you know, special immigrant visas and, and SIV eligibles and our allies and, and just Afghan soldiers who are still doing their best to maintain order around this the human tide that has congealed around Hamid Karzai International Airport, where we're operating, the White House seems committed to a bizarre strategy where they're just sort of pretending like it isn't happening. Yesterday, Joe Biden, I mean, this ABC News interview, at least the president acknowledged it this morning in this pre-recorded interview. But yesterday, the president held a press conference on COVID. Today, they uh, fire out something out of the president's Twitter account showing Joe Biden having a Zoom meeting with the Democratic congressional leadership about his Build Back Better agenda. They're just hoping the news cycle goes away, as though it's just another another day at the office, yeah. just another political scandal that'll go away of its own accord. And tropically, it's not going to go away. And as you've written at, a- at AZ Central today, we've only seen the beginning of something that will get much, much worse. Yeah, and at this point, um, and yeah, I hate to, uh, I'm usually the chill guy going, ah, it's not so bad, it'll be fine, the worst uh, situation won't happen. And I feel like Cassandra out here saying, guys, do you have any idea how bad this could get? Um, I think it's going to be get bad regardless. But worst case scenario potentials are endless with all the things that could go wrong with Taliban encroaching on the Kabul airport, a few U.S. forces there. A few Afghan ally forces there, crowds of people rushing in. I'm sure there are plenty of uh, very ill-trained Taliban soldiers who are more than a little trigger happy. Um, anything could go wrong here, and uh, it's just happy talk out of D.C. Just seeing the videos alone, I mean, none of us are on the ground. We don't have reliable reporting, but there's plenty of videos coming out from the perimeter of the airport. 
And you see militia members just firing off randomly, just trying to spook the crowd. Uh, apparently, there's some, I, I'm not sure if those reports were confirmed, but I saw at least uh, some unconfirmed reports of one American taking an errant bullet in the leg. Um, th- as you say, the prospects here for something to get much, much worse abound, and the airport is not really the chief concern. The chief concern is everywhere else in this gigantic country. We don't know how many Americans are there, where they are. The embassy has said we cannot guarantee your safety, basically telling them to go to ground, somehow get to this airport. This airport has, according to uh, the, the dispatch we got this morning from the Pentagon, we don't know what the update is today, but the vast majority of the people we're evacuating out of there are um, Afghan nationals, SIVs, and not necessarily American citizens. They're just scattered. They're not in American custody. And quite unlike the French and the British, and it's painful for me to say this, who are doing a far better job of evacuating their civilians, we're not executing strategic raids into Kabul, much less the rest of the country, to get our citizens into this airport and through this cordon, this barricade that the Taliban has erected around us. Um, the, the Pentagon says they don't have the capability. The reality is they, haven't had, they don't have the authorization to have a, a footprint outside of this airport, to expand the perimeter outside of this airport, much less to create a civilian corridor, safe corridor, which would be a big operation, but would jeopardize our deal with the Taliban. The Taliban is guaranteeing the safety and security of our, uh, our, our soldiers and our civilians. They're dictating the tempo of operations. We are in hock to them deep. And that is not a sustainable situation. And this is going to go on for weeks. Yep. Yeah, there's one runway. Um, it's not in great shape. There are crowds everywhere. And, uh, yeah, just be flying. If, if they were a well-oiled machine, that airport, it would take forever to get these people out, if you could even find them and get to the airport, as you note. And, again, it's uh, the State Department has pretty much said, you guys are on your own. Um, we can't guarantee your safety. Make your way to the airport anyway. I'm sure some 20-something corn-fed Nebraska boy uh, strolling around um, Kabul would raise an eyebrow or two if he's, I don't know, say an NGO worker, uh, a Peace Corps type out there trying to help the uh, Afghan people. Um, he went there with the best of intentions, and now he's trying to get the heck out. He didn't think he had to leave so suddenly. I'm sure he thought he would leave, I don't know, in a month or two. And uh, nobody told him, no, this is uh, going to go south very quick. And we saw it in real time, especially me, just on social media, watching the entire situation collapse over maybe two days. And it really does. It's hard to escape this impression, and it's uncharitable. Um, but, it's hard, again, it's hard to avoid the conclusion that what the White House wanted to avoid most of all was uh, disadvantageous optics. Yep. From a political perspective, images, pictures of the kind of chaos and brutality that typified the, the by the, by in the comparison to Afghanistan, no means rushed, but nevertheless traumatic evacuation from Saigon in April of 1975. I mean, that's the, that's the best case scenario now, and it seems far out of reach at this point. And what they got by being so optics conscious is something far worse than they could ever have imagined. Um, we're only just seeing a little bit of the images, because the Taliban is policing, doing their best to police people who are taking these videos and sending them out. Um, so we don't have a clear, full picture of what's happening here, but we do have images of violence, of families being rounded up and, and scattered, of, of people throwing their children, young children, infant children, over barbed wire to soldiers, not knowing if they're ever going to see their children again, but knowing what awaits them on the other side of that barbed wire is a nightmare that they must escape from. That kind of torment, what we have consigned this country to, by virtue of just waiting to the very last minute to execute this 
slapdash uh, retreat, uh, a national humiliation disgrace, um, is inexplicable. And it seems as though every other Democrat in Washington recognizes it except those who are operating from inside this administration. They are, if they're not genuinely blind to the situation, they are doing their best to pretend as though they don't see the severity of what's unfolding under them. Yeah, and uh, for the past six months at least, I've been looking at the White House and the just weak decision-making and not sure exactly what they're doing one day to the next and asking myself, okay, who's actually running things? And people are like, oh, maybe it's Ron Klain or it's Kamala or it's this person or it's that person. And after this weekend, I'm like, I don't think anyone's running it. And no one's hand seems to be on the tiller on this thing. Uh, Or if somebody is actually running it, they're so incompetent to actually think this is more an optics issue, as you say, a crisis calm situation that they're going to quickly – change by a little bit of spin and then everyone will forget this is happening, it's still happening. And it's like you say, it's going to keep happening for a couple weeks. And that's just if we get the Americans out of there. Say a thousand are left behind. What then? How many years is that going to be a leading story? What about how China is going to react? Russia is going to react? It's just absolute madness. And it's sometimes, I know that politicians are most concerned with politics. That's kind of their job description. But good policy is good politics. You know, Biden gets everybody out of there safe and sound and uh, is seen by the public doing so. That's good politics for him. Instead, he's just like, oh, let's change the subject. I'd rather criticize Ron DeSantis again. Yeah, I mean, the country could have absolutely melted down if there wasn't a single American citizen there, even if we left a whole lot of SIVs behind. I mean, they get, but the broken promises to this country would be a moral stain mm-hmm. on us forever. But would the public have cared? not in insufficient numbers to create a political crisis for this White House. They were banking on the idea that the American public would be so thrilled to wash their hands of this country that whatever form that took, they, the, the public would, would forgive them. Right. And I don't understand how you make that bad a miscalculation. Reliably, the public doesn't care. General, the voting public generally doesn't care about foreign policy until foreign policy begins producing two things, either American bodies, fatalities on the battlefield, or a abject national humiliation. They don't like that, and they right. tend to take notice of it. And it becomes a political crisis for the White House that oversees it. Absolutely. Um, so the longer they take to acknowledge and, this. Hey, we actually have to go to an ad break, Noah. Can you hold on over the break to chat more about this? Of course. All right, thank you. Sorry for cutting you off with Noah Rothman. Talk to you guys right after the ad break. Chat more about Afghanistan. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth, and I have Commentary Magazine's Noah Rothman. Um, been reading his stuff for a long time, and he has really been uh, straight fire on this Afghanistan situation. Uh, he also appears on the Commentary Podcast, which I highly recommend. It's just been must-listening lately, talking about all the repercussions of this. Uh, one of the big concerns as well is not only the situation in Afghanistan, Noah, it's also... China is loving this, absolutely loving this. They took Hong Kong with, I don't know, maybe a slightly weasel-worded condemnation, a letter sent by uh, the State Department of the U.S., and they're looking at Taiwan and going, gosh, America is not willing to risk anything even to protect its own citizens, let alone anyone in Taiwan or Afghanistan. Yeah, it's no joke. Um, The Chinese 
Communist Party propagandists are making every all the hay they can out of this, making sure that everyone in Taiwan is aware of the implications, geopolitical implications, meaning that you put your eggs in the wrong basket, buddy. The the Americans are going to bug out the second you need them, and you need to know it. And I don't know how right, how wrong they are. Um, maybe, maybe not. I mean, the, the strategic implications in the strait are far greater than they are immediately, in the, immediate, in the near term at least, for the United States and Central Asia. Uh, nevertheless, as you say, the, the effort to impose uh, uh, Beijing's rule on Hong Kong abrogated a agreement with the British to little more than a squeak of condemnation from Western capitals. They have demonstrated a willingness to court uh, the wrong side of international opinion, as it were, as the Biden administration so likes to say, you know, the international community. Um, and they didn't seem to care much because they were acquiring territory and pursuing an irredentist agenda. Uh, the same could be said for Moscow. Moscow has invaded and summarily annexed territory in Europe, the first nation to do so since 1945, and didn't seem to have many qualms about it. But the fear, genuinely, for, for me at least, and for strategic planners, as I understand it, isn't necessarily in Ukraine, but somewhere in the Baltics. Um, Moscow has engineered provocations in Estonia in 2007 with a complex cyber attack, and 2014 with a very sophisticated cross-border raid that resulted in the uh, capture of a Estonian patrolman where they put, they put on trial summarily. Um, the, the real fear, you know, the nightmare scenario is Moscow engineers some kind of a military provocation that doesn't last a weekend where they actually take and hold territory inside a NATO state, uh, forcing, let's say, NATO uh, invokes the, the Article 5 mutual defense provisions of the NATO treaty. Would Western capitals go to war with Moscow and all that implies? For the sovereignty of Poland, I'm not sure they would. And I guarantee you the Kremlin is thinking the exact same thing. Um, those are, the ambiguity about all this, are the ambiguity about how we would respond to such a provocation is the most dangerous of situations because ambiguity begets parameter testing. These are revisionist powers, expansionist powers that want to take every opportunity they can to, 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 seize, on, to seize on the window of opportunity because... In, for the large, in large measure, Beijing believes it has a small window of opportunity. Moscow is a declining power. It knows it has a small time to act. If Joe Biden is going to present them with an opportunity to move now, and who knows where he's going to be in four years, you know, the danger that people thought was going to materialize in 2026, 2028, 2030 could happen next week, this year. We don't even know. Um, and so, yes, that's the sort of, that's the sort of implications that uh, this very sloppy, and, uh, and and derelict response from this White House has has put us in. And the thing that they have to be calculating as well is Biden as president. That is the best chance they have. He might not make it to twenty twenty four. And uh, if he steps down, he leaves office in twenty twenty four. Anyone, Democrat or Republican, wouldn't be as callous and indifferent as he is being. They will never have a better chance. And. Uh, our allies have to be very concerned, especially look at Japan, Taiwan, obviously. But Japan, we've had New Zealand cozying up to China while Australia has been uh, pushing back at them a little bit. Uh, New Zealand's one of our Five Eyes intelligence partners. You know, this is this is very bad, and I don't think many people are realizing the implications of the situation in Afghanistan. And and again, I'm fine. You know, people, even Biden has made a decent argument for, you know what, we shouldn't stay there forever. It's a forever war. We've all heard these before. He will make a case for that. But he's not making a case 
for why we should do it in the weakest, most feckless, most just anemic way possible. Well, I have a rather politically unpopular position here uh, insofar as I don't think that evacuation and withdrawal from our very small, affordable footprint in Afghanistan, a 2,500-person footprint from which we operated from largely from behind closed walls or, or high walls and closed doors supporting the Afghan National Army, um, was something we should have evacuated, in part because of Joe Biden's explanation that we can maintain our operations disrupting and deterring non-states, aspiring terrorist actors, not just in Afghanistan, but in Pakistan, can operate you know, in perpetuity whether we're there or not. That is not true. Correct. That is a lie. We cannot operate with unreliable intelligence provided by what? Taliban? A Taliban-led government in Afghanistan? Launching these strikes from where? The Persian Gulf? It's it's just not going to work. We're going to sacrifice a significant amount of capability that we have in aspiring jihadist elements across the country, according to the chatter that's showing up in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. The, The place to be now, if you're an aspiring terrorist, Islamist jihadist, is Afghanistan. Forget Iraq. Forget Syria. That's the place to be. That's where you're going to have free reign and a government that supports you. The Taliban has never renounced terrorism or its ties to al-Qaeda. That's the place where you can once again go and reinvigorate this movement, which has got a shot in the arm like they've never seen, not since ISIS, the, the, the founding of the caliphate in 2014, has, has the global jihad movement had such a victory under itself. And we will see increased threats. They may not materialize for a year or two. But let's hope to God that this administration or the next recognizes how intolerable that threat is and does something about it, which is why I don't think we're anywhere near done with Central Asia. And frankly, if we wanted to exfiltrate our troops and get out of there in a way that could be sustainable, this is exactly the wrong way to do it. Because in my view, we will be back at a time and place not of our choosing and with the associated tactical disadvantages. Yeah, and uh, for all Biden's promises of over-the-horizon capabilities to stop this, um, here's how it looks in practice. Um, let's just say I wouldn't want to be an Afghan wedding planner because we're probably going to drone attack the wrong place. You know, it's just madness to think that we're going to have the intelligence and military capabilities without Bagram Air Base, which was the biggest shocker. I, I can't believe the Pentagon just didn't say, no, <laughs> we, are, we are not going to do that, Commander-in-Chief, and then get everybody around him to agree with them because it was just on its face. It's such a ludicrous proposition to just be relying on this dinky little Kabul airport totally encroached by the city. And uh, well, yeah, but, I, but the Pentagon explained that. But, but we got an explanation for that from General Milley yesterday where he said, listen, it, was tactically, it, tact- it made tactical sense for us to, to operate out of KIA because it was com- it comported with the footprint that we had, 600, 700 troops. Translation, yeah. the president wouldn't let them have a force large enough to hold Bagram. Right. They didn't have the numbers. Biden yep. wanted this. This was Biden's idea. He yep. wants this. He likes it. We're not going back to retake Biden, uh, Bagram because Joe Biden doesn't want to. Yep. He, he really doesn't care. Hey, we're at the bottom of the hour now. Everybody check out Noah Rothman's writing. You can find him on Twitter. You can find him at Commentary. Thanks so much for being on, Noah. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. We will be back. We will be back after the news break. Uh, call in. We can chat about Afghanistan. Talk to you on the other side. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. A little ZZ Top there for you. Um, we're, um, I'm actually John Gabriel. I'm not Seth Liebson. 
And I write for AZ Central, just posted an article today about the mess in Afghanistan, and also editor-in-chief at ricochet.com and host of the King of Stuff podcast, the humbly named King of Stuff podcast. Um, Why don't you give us a call if you want to talk about – I know there's a lot of veterans out there who are frustrated and are saying, what did we even do this for? Whether they served in Afghanistan or not, I I think veterans especially – Uh, have their finger on the pulse of what it's like to be in theater. Even if you served during peacetime, um, you know what it's like, these old-fashioned ideas like honor and duty and doing the right thing um, are just looking at this and shaking their heads. I know veterans have contacted me through messages just saying, man, this this really stinks. Uh, Even those who didn't serve in Afghanistan, who might have served in an earlier conflict or, I don't know, were stationed in Germany during uh, the Gulf War or something like that still. It is a brother and sisterhood, and uh, we're there to support each other. I just want to say to all the veterans listening, thank you for serving. And everything that you accomplished in Afghanistan was an unmitigated good. You did what you were supposed to do. You protected the brother and sister beside you, and that's always the most important thing when you're in theater. And it's a situation where you gave Afghanistan 20 years of uh, basic peace and uh, prosperity, And uh, why I thought it was fine for troops to withdraw uh, with honor and with some semblance of order is just because we've been there 20 years. And at some time, the people need to take over and protect themselves and fight for the future they want in Afghanistan. You are not going to convert a country like Afghanistan into suburban America where there's a Starbucks on every corner. That is not going to happen. And uh, when it went from rooting out al-Qaeda knocking the Taliban out. We did that in, what, three months? Then, boy, it took close to 10 years, not quite 10 years, to take OBL out, who was next door in Pakistan, probably being protected by their intelligence services, even though they're supposed to be an ally of ours. Um, But, you know, then 10 years on, you're just kind of staying there to staying there a lot. And uh, I just don't think that's a good idea because the locals tend to rely too much on you and not enough on themselves. And it's something that the Afghanistan people, ultimately, they have to make the decision for themselves. But anyway, veterans, you did an awesome job. You served your nation. You served people like me, people like everybody listening, and we greatly appreciate your service. And uh, remember to speak up and talk. There's a lot of vets out there um, who are pretty frustrated, to say the least, if not downright depressed. And uh, all of us are in this together. So, um You have all of our gratitude. We really appreciate what you did. If you want to call and talk, uh, we have a guest on at the top of the hour. But until then, it's me blabbering, and I'd rather listen to you because you probably are more interested, interesting and expert in topics that I am not. Our number here is 602-508-0960 if you want to call in and chat. Since we've been talking Afghanistan nonstop, um, there's a few other things in the news. The press is still trying to get back to... I don't know. COVID. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about infrastructure. Um, They really can't move on from this mess going on right now. There's just no way. You can't do that right now. Um, Everybody is focusing on an ongoing crisis, and it's something that they need to focus on instead of, I don't know, their their dumb issue of the day. This is not – this is a very different environment from, I don't know, say midway through last week. Um, What we care about right now is uh, getting some accountability going in Washington. Speaking of accountability, 
We have Lance in Phoenix. Uh, what do you have to say, Lance? Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think it's realistically highly doubtful uh, that Mr. Biden will be in office. I think he'll resign before, during, or after the midterms. Uh, I think that's the plan the Democrats have. Uh, their only catch-22 is that leaves them with Kamala. So they have to get rid of her some way, shape, or form uh, <laughs> before then. But uh, my point of calling in, of accountability, uh, presuming the Republicans take back the House in 2022, um, I don't know, can you bring articles of impeachment uh, 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 retroactively? Because also I know if we, the people, accidentally donate a dollar to a charity overseas and it turns out that's a front for terrorism funding, we can be prosecuted, even unintentionally. We can be prosecuted for funding terrorism. Yet Mr. Biden, I believe, just gave $200 billion of military equipment to the Taliban, last I checked, a terrorist organization. So shouldn't he be impeached for supporting terrorism? Yeah, that is a fantastic point, Lance. we we got to go to an ad break, actually. I'll answer this on the other side, but thanks so much for calling in. Um, yeah, it, it's a dicey situation. Get rid of Biden. Now we're stuck with Kamala Harris. Um, let me talk more about that right on the other side. If you want to call in, please do, 602-508-0960. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth. And I wanted to get to Lance's question. He called in. we got a couple other callers coming up here. Um, he was just like, yeah, does Biden even survive this? I think uh, people in his party are going to be asking him to step down. Um, as Lance noted, uh, that would leave us with Kamala Harris, uh, who's there was actually just a poll that came out today from Rasmussen. Forty seven percent of likely voters said Kamala is not at all qualified. Only 43 percent believe she is. Um, when you total up the negative reviews of her, she has 55 percent disapproval um, and only 43 percent approval. Uh, she is very unpopular, even among her own party. That's why she had to drop out before the first primary voting even happened. So it's a dicey situation for the Democrats. They wanted this and they got it. And uh, Biden is not up to the job. We got uh, Rick calling in from Mesa wanting to talk about Afghanistan. How you doing, Rick? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing fantastic. Thanks for calling in. Well, and I called in about Afghanistan, but I just heard what you said about Kamala. And in my opinion, she's just insurance for Joe Biden because nobody wants her. So anyway, yeah. so my, my comment <laughs> on, on Afghanistan is, um, you know, and, and maybe you've talked about this and maybe people are aware of it. And uh, But the Taliban is supported by Pakistan, who's supported by us. So, in effect, we've been financing our own enemy there for, twenty, you know, over 20 years. And it's just egregious. And I think everybody, should, you know, I mean, the more we talk about that, because we talk about people being accountable for this disaster that we have on our hands right now, um, it's all self-inflicted. Yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, way back when, George Washington said, uh, avoid foreign entanglements. Uh, this is what a foreign entanglement looks like. And also, Pakistan looked the other way when uh, we routed Taliban fighters and they fled Afghanistan. Where did they go? Across the border into Pakistan. And uh, we asked for Pakistan's help, and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't know what to do. We don't know where they are. Um, so they And they most likely harbored 
Obama bin, or Osama bin Laden as well until we found him out and took him out. And we could not tell their military that we were going to do that because they'd tip him off. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation where we're giving money, foreign aid to Pakistan. Meanwhile, they're helping people who are trying to murder us, let alone the Afghan people. So thanks for calling in, Rick. That is a great point. And I, you know, one quick comment is yep. that, you know, I think, I think Biden stumbled onto doing something right because, you know, just getting out of there is, is way better than, than staying under any reason. And, and I think, you know, the military industrial complex or whatever you want to call it, you think about the bonanza of, of a country that finances both sides of the conflict. No wonder, no wonder the, the mainstream media is after him. Because they screwed up the deal. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden screwed up their deal. The, the, the reap rewards from both sides of that conflict. It's just unbelievable. But yeah, and then you I, get uh, people in the Pentagon, the top brass there, who retire and, hey, what do you know? They are making multi-millions on the boards of various defense contractors. They who, wanted to keep this you, going as long as What do you think the possibility that Joe Biden, and I, I don't I think he's just a disaster, so I'm not trying to defend him. Right. But what if, what if it's such a mess because he knew or or if he would have tried to withdraw um, organized, they would have extended it for another 10 years. Oh, so maybe he yeah. just said, get out today, forget about everything else. And that's why you know, the mainstream media has turned on him is because he, he, he turned his back on the on the military people. Yeah, I I think that think he should have Yeah, and I think he should have gotten out of Afghanistan and made sure all the Americans were out first, but yeah, at some point the civilian leader well, has to, to say enough corrupt, to the Pentagon. If you go to your corrupt generals and I don't have any, you know, evidence, but you know, let's say you go to them and say, "Oh, I want a plan to get out of here gracefully." They say, "Okay, that'll take 10 years." Right. Yeah, that's what they're up against. That's a very good point. Well, thanks for calling in, Rick. Appreciate your perspective. Thank you. And we also have uh, Rob calling from Surprise. Uh, What do you have to say about this, Rob? Well, hi, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, And also, uh, Rick uh, stole a little of my thunder. um, (laughs) uh, uh, I don't know if you saw Lara Logan talking to uh, Tucker Carlson about all this, but she was actually bringing up a lot of very interesting points that included, uh, you know, everybody's focusing on Biden and confidence and all this stuff. But deep down, we have a, uh, a career bureaucratic machine in Washington. And whoever is really in charge of things in Washington, uh, Lara was bringing up the point that, you know, number one, we have the NSA, we have the National Geographic uh, Geospatial Agency, and we know everything that's going on and has been going on. And Somebody, somebody somewhere or a group of somebodies in Washington want all this to occur. And I thought to myself, you know, this is incredibly profound because, you know, we're, we're in the weeds with, you know, how dumb Joe is. And, of course, that's true. And how you can't trust the swamp. And, of course, that's true. But there are people somewhere in Washington, we don't know the names yet, and they could be career bureaucrats, very senior or mid or something, uh, who know what was going to happen a couple months ago, uh, and everything that has happened has happened, you know, exactly opposite of the way it should have happened. Um, and yet, if you look again at the southern border, there are people, and it's a good parallel or a good comparison, uh, as in Afghanistan with screw-ups there and the screw-ups at our border, 
and every other screw-up that's been going on for the last seven months. People in Washington want all of this to occur. And the Pakistan side is a very, very good point because uh, ISI has been involved from Pakistan. The uh, Taliban uh, tribal leaders have been hiding in Pakistan. And Pakistan is actually a bigger priority than Afghanistan is because, well, Pakistan has nukes. And from a policy standpoint, that trumps everything uh, involving Afghanistan. And yet, as Rick was saying, you know, we keep funding Pakistan. We keep providing foreign aid. We keep, uh, you know, we don't put them on a, a terror watch list or anything. So, again, I think Lara's point, and I encourage everybody to watch uh, and it's on, you know, it's on Twitter, it's on YouTube and all that. Um, she really makes in six minutes some really concise and very truthful statements that even Tucker was uh, pleasantly shocked at how truthful she was explaining how this really isn't just about Biden's incompetence or Washington's incompetence. This is about really the intention that everything is happening the way somebody in charge wants it to happen. Now, that should frighten every American, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And Laura, she is a very brave reporter, and she does report things that no one else will talk about, same as Tucker, of course, and that. And uh, it's something you have to be concerned about, that, well, we told you we should stay there another 10, 20 years, and here's what happens when you don't listen to us. Um, And uh, them just falling down on the duty to get their way eventually – um, whatever the case, we need to withdraw from Afghanistan. And frankly, uh, speaking as a veteran, the top brass need to be purged. Uh, they can uh, spend more time in retirement reading their books on white rage and uh, hang, <laughs> you know, hanging up rainbow flags above their American flags all they want. They shouldn't be doing it exactly. on our dime. So thanks, Rob, John, for we're calling on the in. Same page. All right. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. We are uh, headed to an ad break here. I'll talk to you on the other side. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth. We actually have one more caller. We've got about three minutes left. Peter from Tempe, how you doing? I am well. I hope you are as too, and I'm sorry my country is not well. Uh, we are in a world of hurt, and I'm very fearful about how this is all to come out because uh, as far as I know, Kamala Harris has gone over to uh, Singapore. And what it looks like to me is she's over there getting the rest of the playbook from the Chicoms visiting. Uh, she's certainly not on vacation, that's for sure. Um, and that's, to me, it's a very frightening. Of course, I felt a long time ago that a large part of America had been sold to the Chinese. And we are just a hapless dupes of the middle class that are gradually getting persecuted and eliminated. Yeah, they treat us as uh, anybody who doesn't agree with them or challenges them in any way. They treat us as the enemy, not the Taliban, not the Chinese communist government who have been oppressing their people for decades now. Uh, No, it's somebody who pulled the lever for a Republican at some point in the past or even they're coming after Democrats who aren't 100 percent on board with this crazy woke agenda uh, this this entire uh, great reset that they talk about uh, with the World Economic Forum. And uh, they they like America as an idea as long as it's not a democracy, as long as it's not a republic, as long as the little people don't have much say. 
uh, because they know best. They're brilliant. As we can see from the past several decades of the brilliance of our expert class and all the rousing successes oh, yeah. they have had. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hope everybody senses the sarcasm there. Uh, they've basically screwed up every situation for the past 20, 30 years. And their only solution is now you need to give us a lot more power, whether it's COVID, uh, whether it's, you know, vaccine IDs and all these things. If you look at China, too, uh, I saw a map yesterday. Uh, China controls almost every port in the Levant. We're talking the eastern Mediterranean from Egypt all the way up through Turkey. Uh, They don't control one or two. Every other port that they control and now they can have uh, an easy land access to Turkey, to those ports, just via train. They'll just work with the Taliban and do whatever they say. They're fine with that. Well, I have a suggestion. Go for it. Am I Okay. My suggestion is, since most of our media, general media, does not cover what we cover on talk radio, especially conservative talk radio, that everybody print up a little card on their home computer, like a little business card, that said, tired of the omissions and the lies from the uh, alphabet media, uh, turn over and over there, list in your locale, uh, wherever you are in the nation, uh, the conservative stations or truthful stations uh, that you need to list, that people need to listen to, because they just completely don't even know they're there. They put these blinders on, and they can't even... They, they don't even know they're there, and they're not listening at all, and they're not getting the truth from the ABCs and CBS uh, garbage. Absolutely. Well, Peter, we got to go to the uh, top of the hour news break. Thanks so much for calling in. Thanks for all our callers for sharing their thoughts. We're talking with Philip Wegman on the other side of the hour from Real Clear Politics. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.